If you'll turn in your Bibles, we're going to be over in Matthew chapter 13. And since I do sometimes forget to let everybody know what's going on here at, at the end of the service, <coughs> I talked with Miss Lucy yesterday. She is in the in Abington Hospital. She is hoping to be out by maybe Monday or Tuesday, but really has no idea right now. So they're working on a procedure that's on, working on, on, on her hip to try and uh, alleviate a problem. So the, that's what they're, they're doing right now. How about she sounded good when we talked with her? Just sounded a little bit tired, but she sounded good. Her, it seems like her daughters are taking turns being over there with her, but she's over there in Abington. She, I did not get a room number for her. Um, but if any of you want to <coughs> give her a call, chat with her, even, I believe you can even stop by and visit if you like. That is, that is going on. All right. Matthew chapter 13. Well, as I said, we have not exhausted the question series. Boy, I could keep going on on that. There's just so many things in, in the Word of God on it. But it seems we've come to the, about the end of that. So we've been having some questions about some parables. And I've been pondering about going back over this. So we're actually going to spend some time looking at the parables. There are some parables that we get into all the time, and there's some parables that don't get as much attention. So we want to make sure we give the attention to all of them. The first is probably the most taught on. And that is the parable of the sower, though really it is not a parable about a sower. The parable of the sower has really very little to do with the sower and everything to do with the soil. So it's really about the parable of the four different kinds of soil. And so we can understand how the word that is sown in us can grow. My plan was to take on the uh, first parable completely and we're not going to get there. Kind of scrapped that plan here early this morning and changed it up a little bit. So over the next two weeks, we'll cover the cover the parable here. Uh, it wasn't more than a, it was a little over a year ago we went over this, so some of this might be fresh in your mind. But hopefully, we have some new things for you to see. I think I went back and counted up, and over the 20 years, the last 20 years that I looked at, we only covered this parable about four of those times. And there's other parables that we have covered less. The parables of Jesus are not my favorite thing. They're probably my second thing, favorite thing of his to cover. My favorite things to cover of Jesus, beyond any shadow of a doubt, are his miracles. I love going over the miracles. I go over the miracles more often than I teach them here. How often do, I, do you find me referring to this miracle or that miracle? I love the miracles of Jesus. There's so much for us to learn from them. As they said, there's only about 19 miracles that are recorded, but he did a whole lot more than that. But the 19 that are recorded are there for us to learn some things to help us in our life as we pursue healing, as we pursue helping other people. So much to learn from them. We have done it on a few occasions. We've actually just taken a look at all the miracles um, and just spent time going from the first to the, to the last, especially the healing ones. But here in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew the 13th chapter, we're going to be looking mostly at Matthew, but we will go into Mark and to Luke as they offer some things that are just a little bit different. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Luke adds this, and they came to him from every city. So from all the cities that were around about, they came to him to hear Jesus. There was an excitement about Jesus. They had heard things about him. They wanted to come. 
And as they were coming, and Jesus here at this, this is the point where he does this, this is the point where he changes over his teaching. He's no longer just teaching them straight up. He is now teaching them through parables. He taught a lot of parables at this time, and not all of them are recorded. A few of them are. This is the one that is recorded in three of the Gospels. Verse 3, Then he spoke many things to them in parables. That's how we know that there's more than just the ones we have recorded. Saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now do notice this. It says, A sower went out to sow. This is not a parable about Jesus sowing the word. Some people think that the sower is Jesus. The sower is not Jesus. The sower can be Jesus. Jesus is one of the ones out there sowing the word. But he says, a sower. In the Greek particularly, if you want to make, make mention of a particular individual, you would use the article. It would be the sower. If it said the sower, we would know it was talking about Jesus. It does not say that. In all the Gospels, it is always the same way. A sower went out to sow, which means you can be a sower, and you are. Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 4, verse 3, adds, listen. Listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. So he calls their attention to it. The word there for listen is important. It is the Greek word, akuo, and it means a primary verb to hear in various senses, give, a, give audience of, come to the ears, or understand. There is a difference between hearing and hearing that you are giving your attention to. How many times are you watching the TV? We don't have to do this quite as often, but you know, back in the old days, when we used to watch TV, you were forced to watch commercials. You don't have any choice about it. The commercials came on. You had to sit there and you watched them. And so we learned the art of tuning out the commercials. And so the commercial would come on and they would say something. And maybe somebody else in the room would say, did you hear what they just... No. What did they say? We've tuned them out. With all the streaming services and all the things that are going on now, we don't have to uh, see the commercials. In fact, a lot of times you can just get a streaming service and pay a little bit more money and have no commercials at all. That's pretty nice. Just completely get rid of them. So the, you know, the, the companies have gotten wise about this, and so they bury the commercials in the show. So one time we were watching uh, uh, one of the cop shows, and they actually talked about, they were driving on down in their new Ford truck, and they actually talked about some of the features of the Ford truck in the show. I said, boy, that's a little blatant right there. We're just advertising the, the <laughs> Ford truck that's, that's going on, but they'll sometimes have the cereal box in full view. That's the way that they can do it. They pay for that. They're paying for that, that commercial because that cereal box there is in full, full view, or they'll pay for it being mentioned in the show because they realize we can't just do it in the commercial section anymore. We have to somehow get these things into the shows. So uh, you'll see these things go on. So they're always adapting. But it used to just be you could just kind of tune out and just not pay any attention to those things. So when he says here, listen, I don't want you to just hear the noise. I want you to let this come on the inside of you. I want you to give attention to what it is that I'm saying to you. You need to listen to what's going on and what's happening. You'll see a lot of, a lot of preachers will go around and they'll, they'll say this. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Stanley is one. Listen to me now. I mean, to heard him say that. 
And he does this all the time. He'll be, he'll be two, three, four times in a sermon. Listen to me now. <laughs> That's kind of his, uh, his catchphrase. And it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. I'm listening no matter whether you're saying that or not. But sometimes uh, some people will, will say things along those lines. Brother Hagen, he would, his thing was, are you listening to me? <laughs> he would always say that one. And that was, that was his. But we know that is to call attention. He's calling attention. I need you to listen. Now listen good on this one. This is, I'm teaching you a little bit differently. <clears throat> so I need you to pay attention. I need you to listen. He said, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Verse 4 of Matthew. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Mark chapter 4, verse 4, puts it this way. And it happened as he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. See that phrase? Birds of the air. Remember that one? Luke 8, 5 puts it this way. A sower went out to sow his seed. A sower went out to sow his seed. Do you realize that as a sower, when you are going out to sow, you are sowing what is yours. You have that seed. You have that understanding. When you have that understanding of the word, you're going out to sow it. You're going out to put that. It's yours. You made it yours. You got it. He went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And it was trampled down. Now Luke adds it was trampled down. The other ones didn't say that. They just talked about it being devoured. And the birds of the air devoured it. Now one of the things we learned, if you've been through the parables before, Jesus is very consistent with the things that he uses, the, the type, typology that he uses. And in the parables... All you folks who have been here for a while will remember this. Birds are bad. Birds are bad. <laughs> birds are never good. If you ever see a bird in a parable, it is always bad. There's a couple of cases where people tried to make the birds good. No, the birds are bad. If birds are used as a bad example in parables, they are always bad. It does not mean they are always bad in the Word. It just means that as Jesus is using them, they are bad. Seeds became the same thing. Soil is the same. These are all, no matter what parable you go to, they're all the same in, the, in their typology. Matthew, back over to Matthew, verse 5. So, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But, when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. That's the, the, the next soil. Luke 8, 6 adds this. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered because it lacked moisture. So Luke is bringing out the part that Jesus was teaching that the reason that they didn't hold up, they didn't have the moisture. Some folks, some additions to this, they emphasize the lack of root structure because roots are what bring the moisture up. Verse 7 of Matthew. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up and choked them, but others fell on the good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Mark 4, verses 7 and 8 adds this to this. And some seed fell among thorns, and thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. It yielded no crop. So, He's not just saying it choked them. There was no crop that came from them. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60 and 100. 
So we're looking here at the, the soils. The purpose of this parable is there are four kinds of soils. Now, I have heard people teach on this. I have heard people that I enjoy teach on this, and a couple of them have brought this out. If you hear them teach on this, don't go running around saying they're off teaching false doctrine. I'm not going to tell them they're teaching something that's false. I don't see it. Some people want to say that what Jesus is telling us here is that there are four types of, of soil. There are four equal parts. That those, those four parts of soil are equal. So I put it in your outline this way. Some have taught that the four soils are equal and therefore three quarters of people who heard the word are bad soil. Now it is true. There are four kinds of soil. Three of those soils are non-productive. One is. That's three quarters of them are unproductive. However, what he is using is the vision of a sower. When a sower would go out to sow the word, or the sower would go out to sow seed, he does not sow three quarters of his seed on unproductive soil. He goes out and he sows his field. His field is made up of mostly good soil. It is when he gets around the edges of his field and he begins to scatter that seed is where he hits the stuff that's by the road. Is where he hits the stuff that doesn't get as much attention from the farmer and the thistles can come up. This is where you run into the bad soil. So the bad soil is mostly going to be around the perimeter of the field that he is sowing. So that does not mean that three quarters of what you sow will become useless. I don't know what the percentage is. I don't think he's trying to teach a percentage of this. He is just trying to let you know that there is good soil, there is bad soil. Our goal is to make sure that we ourselves are good soil and our goal is to help other people become good soil as well. That's our goal with it. So I do, the, a parable, you've got to be careful reading something into every part of the parable because the parable is told to emphasize one or two main points. It's just trying to get the main, these main things across. If we get too buried into the details... We can start pulling things out that were not intended. So I don't know that Jesus is trying to tell us that three quarters of the soil that we have around us is bad. Now the um, part here, he's, he first off is telling them to listen. We need to be hearing. And the difference between the soils is in how they were hearing. Sowing, I put in your outline, sowing is equivalent to hearing. As I sow the word, I am speaking the word. So the soil is in effect hearing the word that I am sowing. As a sower, as you are a sower, the people are hearing the word that you are sowing. So it is the hearing that, that comes into play there. Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So in this story here, you have that the, the, uh, the, the good and the bad heard the same thing. But one listened in that they applied it 
and the other disregarded it and didn't do it. It's the listening, the hearing is important. You cannot just sit under the word. You cannot just hear recorded messages of the word. You cannot just play it while you are sleeping. You've got to pay attention to it and bring it in. And that's what there, he's talking about there. In um, Luke chapter 11, 28, but he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. There is no blessing in hearing the word of God. There is blessing in hearing the word of God and keeping it. You've got to keep what you heard, not what you think. There is no blessing in keeping what you think the word of God teaches. There is no blessing in that. There is no blessing in doing what you want God to desire. Uh, well, God, I want you to do this. Remember Cain? There is no blessing in doing what you want to do. There is a blessing in hearing what he wants done and doing it. That's where the blessing is. John eight forty three. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Some people just can't hear. All right, let's go on back, back here. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, um, we're going to be in Matthew 13, 10, but let's take a look at Mark 10, uh, 4, 10 first. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And they said to him, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. I'm going to call your attention first off to verse 11. He said to them, To you, to you, he's speaking to the disciples, to you, it has been, has been is past tense, it is not present tense. In fact, actually the Greek is a past tense having having future and present day um, realities. This is a past tense action. It has been given to you. Now, let me give you an example of what has, has happened. In my pocket, I have a phone. Phones are a lot different now than they used to be. It used to be little flip, flip phones. You know, you flip them out. There, That was pretty cool, wasn't it? We liked all that. But then they got into the smartphones. And now it's pretty much that you can't buy anything that's not a smartphone, right? But some people have a smartphone, but they let it stay pretty dumb. They just don't make it do a whole lot. You, you get the phone... Now, have, has anybody ever had a phone given to you as a gift? A couple of people have that. If, if not, imagine this. Imagine that somebody came up and gave you a smartphone. One of the top-end, really nice smartphones that's out there. They have all these things, uh, all these nice gadgets and, and things like that that you can use. Some of you may not, not even use. My particular phone, I got into, into this when Motorola stopped making good phones. And so I got into this Galaxy phone, and it's got a pen. I love this pen. Now, my wife, her phone has a pen. She doesn't love this pen. In fact, that phone, phone pen will stay right in there, and she doesn't really take it out and use it very much. But if you... Uh, I, I like what they can do. Uh, she'll do this as well. We'll give them to our, our grandkids, and they'll, they'll draw things for us. So even when Lissy was, was real little, I still have things that she drew on my phone. It goes from one phone to another. I can just look back and say, Oh, you and your two, you drew, drew this for me. And we still have those things out there. But they can do a lot more than that. I've, uh, I've set up my phone in such ways. 
that it knows when church time is, and when it's church time, it automatically silences itself. And it knows when church should be about over, and when that's church is about over, it automatically comes out of being silenced. I don't have to do anything about it. In fact, it can even read my schedule, and if I put something in my schedule and I say I'm busy, don't, do, don't disturb me, then it will actually read my schedule when I come up to that part of the day, turn my phone ringer off, and when that schedule is over, turn it back on again. I have it set up so that when I go to bed at night and I can tell which, which night, because you know, Saturday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning, everything changes a little bit. But I have it set up and I tell it uh, on these particular nights, this is when I usually go to bed, and I want the phone to go into, um, into a you know, quiet mode. I don't want it to be bothering me at nighttime. And then in the morning, it'll wake up. And when it wakes up in the morning, it has a number of things that, it, that I tell the phone to do. I don't do any of this. It has done this for me for years. When that phone wakes up in the morning, it turns all the sounds to the level that I want. So if during the day I turned any of my sound, any of my notifications, any of the uh, volumes have turned down. Because if you have an Apple phone, I believe you have two volumes. If you have an Android phone, you have five. There are five different volumes that, that you can change and, and play around with. I like that flexibility. And so when it wakes up in the morning, it sets all those volumes at exactly where I want them to be. It changes my screen timeout to exactly where I want it to be in case I have changed it any time throughout the day. All these things will get reset every single morning so my phone, no matter what I did with it the day before, everything is, is set up to go. And I can, you can have it do other things too. You can have it know where your movie theater is and when you walk into your movie theater, it automatically silences your phone until you walk out. These are things that smartphones can do. Uh, I have it set up that there's some podcasts I like to listen to, so it periodically throughout the day will go and check them and make sure that if there are any new ones available, they are downloaded onto my phone and they are ready for me when I want to go into and to do these things. So that's just a few things that the phone can do, uh, and there's a whole lot more that you can do. But just because you are given the phone does not mean that the phone will do all those things. It does not mean that it can't do those things. It just doesn't mean that it will. Now, some people will hear me talk about what, what I can get the phone to do. Oh, I don't have time. I don't have patience. I don't have the understanding to, to mess with that. I just let it do whatever it's going to do. And that's fine. You know, if that's what you want your phone to do. Uh, I, I like being the master of my phone. I like that. I want to get in there and I want to fine tune stuff. I mean, uh, how many people have ever cleared out the catch on your phone? Yeah, I do that two or three times a week. In fact, I now have a button that I can just push and it knows how I want the phone's catch to be clean and it does it for me automatically. Within a matter of 90 seconds, everything that I want cleaned out of the phone is cleaned out and I don't have to do it. If you ever tried to, has anybody ever tried to clean out their catch manually? It is a bear. It is a bear. And if you ever try to do it manually, no, let the phone do it. It's a smartphone. It's supposed to be able to do these kind of things, so you can let these, these things go. And there's so much that your phone can do, but in order to find that out, what do you have to do? i got to pursue what it can do. What Jesus is saying here is this. To you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Folks, he's talking not only to them, he's also talking to you. I want you to know this. To you... Everybody say to me. to me. It has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. 
you can know it. Just like you can know the mysteries of a foam. If you want to, you can know it. There's YouTube things up there. You can sit there and watch them and let them teach you. You can go over to your wherever you got your phone from. They have classes for you that you can sit down in the class if you're more hands-on. And they will carry you through it. And even if you have questions, I don't understand, they will help you with it. And they're an expert on, on most of the phones that are that are out there. You know, if you bring me an iPhone, how do I do this? I have no idea. I'll send you to Todd. Todd's got an iPhone. He understands those things. Uh, some people in the family, they'll ask me things about Apple devices. I send them to my brother. You know, send you to Nikolai. Nikolai's got an Apple phone. He understands those. I don't try to understand them. I could. If one was given to me, I could. I don't want to. And I'm not saying they're a bad phone. I, I, I like this one. I've worked on unlocking the mysteries of the Android phone. Why do I want to unlock the mysteries of the Apple phone? I have to reteach myself all this stuff. So I just stay in the, in the one thing. But the kingdom of God, the mysteries, they've been given to you. Do you understand how awesome that is? Whatever is in the kingdom, whatever is about the kingdom, it has been given to you. Just because you don't understand it does not mean it is not yours. Some of the features I just told you that I can do with my phone. Some of you are probably thinking, I can't get my phone to do that. I bet you can. You just don't know how. You see, you have the same thing in your hand. It's the, it's the time that you spend going after it. Because you have to pursue it. You have to hear it. You have to understand it. You have to apply it. Just because you go out there and you hear what somebody is teaching about your phone and how to make it work does not mean anything will change in your life if you do not set out to apply it and to get your phone to do it. To send, spend the time, go into the settings, change the settings, put the app on, whatever it is that you got to do. you got to do all those things. The, key, the mysteries of the kingdom of God have been given to you. Folks, this is before the cross. This is before Pentecost. This is before the resurrection. All that stuff, this predates that. He says, it has been given to you. You do not need Pentecost. You do not need the cross. These mysteries were unlocked to people in the Old Testament. And they pursued them. They can be unlocked to you as well. So he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing, they may see and not perceive. Now you can understand this. How many of you have looked down at your phone while I was talking about these things? And you looked, you can see it, but you can't perceive it. I can't see that it's possible with my phone. You might be looking, why don't you do that? So that seeing they may see and not perceive. The purpose that Jesus has in doing this is that some people would see but not perceive. Now up till then he's been teaching everybody. But he says, now to you it's been given. There are some people in this world that it has not been given to. Why is that? 
Has God made a decision? Well, these ones, we're not going to give them mysteries. These ones, we will. No, there's a reason for it. And the reason is how people have responded to what they've gotten. So up till now, Jesus has taught them openly. And some people have responded in a hard-hearted way. In a way that says, I'm not receiving that. I'm not going to do that. And it, it's just like, like this. If you, I was to walk up to you, or you were to walk up to me and said, I heard you talk about all those things, wonderful things your phone would do. Can you show me how to do that? I said, oh yeah. Well, the first thing you have to do, and I start telling you something to do, oh, I don't want to be messing with that. Okay. Right? I don't need to convince you. I don't need to try and push it off on you. No, you don't want to. That's fine. Because it's a whole lot harder to instruct somebody on what to do if they don't want it. Now you got now you got some trouble there. So Jesus is saying, if you don't want this, if you've hardened your heart to it, if you have said to yourself, no, I'm not going to do those things, I'm not going to apply those things, I'm not going to attend to those words, I'm not going to try and get the understanding of these things. Hey, I don't need to teach you. I'll teach these people over here. But you see, if you are a Calvinist, then you are going to say that God knew from the beginning of the world that you weren't going to receive, therefore he didn't give it to you. If you're one like me, who understands that God operates on a different time frame than we do, and is in touch with all points of time at the same time, that he is in touch with the past with an alive Abraham, as much as he is in touch with me right now, and as much as he is in touch with the tribulation period, that is going on now. That is how God views that. That's how I do it. And I can support it through Scripture. Spent some time doing that in the, in the times past. But that's how I see God doing it. Jesus thought the same thing and taught that to his disciples. That's how God saw time. Because of that, I can simply say, Jesus is looking into the future. You're resistant to it. Therefore, it's not given to you. You're, you're resistant to it. You're not going to treat that well. Have you ever had it? that you had an expensive gift that you wanted to give to a grandchild. But you know that grandchild is not to the point where they will treat that expensive gift the way that they should. And so what do you do? We don't give it. We don't give it until such time as they would, they would do that. Well, if God knows you will never treat this well, then he's not going to give it to you. If he knows you will eventually treat this well, I'm going to give it to you and it will open up as you are ready. And he begins to teach them some of the things that will get them ready. So that seeing you may see and not perceive and hearing, they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Hmm. Lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Well, that's an interesting way to throw that out there. Now, this word here to know is the word gnosko. We spend a little bit of time on some of the words to know. We're going to spend a little bit of time on, on some of them here. Gnosko means to the come to the knowledge of a progressive understanding. It is not an absolute knowledge of a thing. You all can figure this out in some, say somebody that you were dating. Look over and wife and your husband. These are people that you came to know. You were not born with an understanding of who they are. You come to an understanding of who they are. And we may still say, well, I still don't understand them completely. 
There's still always that growth. There is a progressive knowledge. That is the word gnosko. When you see the word gnosko, it is a progressive knowledge, one that is born from time, from pursuing the understanding, from pursuing the knowledge. That is gnosko. I'll give you a verse of scripture that demonstrates the difference between gnosko and oida. Oida is the Greek word for absolute knowledge of a thing. If you just have the knowledge of what this thing is, instead of having to come to know the thing or to grow to learn it. John 8.55 Yet you have not known Him. Speaking of God the Father. You have not known Him. The word there is gnosko. You have not gnoskoed Him. My Father is who He's referring to. But I know oida Him. What He is telling you right there is you have not come to an experiential knowledge, a progressive knowledge of who God the Father is. You have not entered into a place where you are progressively understanding who God the Father is. But I have an absolute knowledge of who He is. That's what He's saying to him. It doesn't say that in the English, but that's what it says in the Greek. He then goes on. And I say, I do not know, and if I say, I do not oida Him, I do not have absolute knowledge of Him, I shall be a liar like you. Because <laughs> he's speaking to people that are enemies to him. They are people who say, we know the Father. And he is saying, no, you don't know. You, uh, you do not gnosko the Father. You have not come to a progressive knowledge of who the Father is. I have an oida knowledge of the Father. And if I were to say I did not have an oida understanding of the Father, I would be a liar like you. That's what he is saying to them. Boy, he just slapped him up. See, that, that comes across a much harder slap in the Greek than it does in the English. But I do know oida him and keep his word. I do know him and keep his word. Now, that's the, the mysteries of the kingdom are given to you, but you've got to pursue them. You've got to go after them. You've got to do some things to, to take these things on. In Mark chapter 4, verse 13... And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? They came to ask him about this parable. He's teaching this parable to the multitudes, but he says to you, the mysteries of the kingdom of God have been given, have been, they're already yours. But he says, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables. Now, I don't know why they continually do this in English, but they did it again. The two words for understand here are two different words. The first one, hora, hora, I'm sorry, hurao, is to discern clearly, physically or mentally, to attend to, behold, perceive, see, take heed. This is the word that was used when he said, go out to the disciples. They were in the, the, the 5,000 men were there in the group. And he said, uh, how are we going to get food to feed such so many people? And Jesus said, go out and see what you have. What he is telling them there is, I want you to go out and I want you to find out. I want you to go out and physically see. I want you to Take inventory. I want you to come out of here with a perception, with an understanding of what do you have. 
This word is used when you want to gain an understanding and you're, you're looking at the thing. You're, you're looking at the, you're, you're trying to gain it. Have you ever looked at something and you're, you're staring at it? It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to you. You're looking at it and it doesn't quite make sense. Something's not right. And so you look at it, you look at it, you look at, oh! Now I see what it is. And now you can figure out what, what was going on there. But you couldn't quite figure out what was there when you first looked at it, but you stared intently at it. You stared you per, with the intention, I want to get the perception. What is going on? Because I can't quite figure it out just, just yet. And then finally things got into focus or you, you figured out the, the surroundings that were there. Oh, now I see what's going on. Now I see what's there. This is what this word means. Rick Renner puts this there on this. He says, it carries the idea of seeing, perceiving, understanding, experiencing, and assimilating into oneself. Rick can get a little wordy, but... <laughs> carries the idea of seeing and perceiving, perceiving, understanding, experiencing. It may be that you uh, perceive it. It may be that you experience it. It may be that you uh, say that you're looking at a pool and you want to understand, I want to come to a knowledge of how cold is that pool. And so one thing you might do is if uh, you have an online app, you might take a look at the online app and it says the water temperature is, and you would see what the temperature that it's saying is. And so I can perceive from looking at that what that water is. I may look at it from a distance and see steam coming off and figure, oh, it is warmer than it is in the atmosphere. But there's also another way that we can do it. You can go over there and you can put your feet in, you can put your hand in and wiggle it around and get a feel for whether it's cold or hot, right? These are all ways that you could do it and you can get that perception of what is going on. Do you not understand this parable? You've heard it. You're staring at it. You're meditating and you're not getting it. You're not understanding what this thing is. They're going over and over again in their head. They're not coming away with what this thing means. So he says, do you not understand this parable? You have looked at it. You have meditated on it. You've experienced it. You're trying to put yourself in there. You're seeing yourself as a sower. You're seeing yourself going around there sowing. But you're not understanding what this thing means. He then says this, how then will you understand all the parables? Well, before we get onto that, let me hit you with one more here. In Hebrews, we're not going to go there. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 9. A derivative of this word is used in that in which it talks about how the Israelites wandered around in the wilderness and saw the miracles of God. They lived in the miracles of God. Every day they got up and they saw the bread come from heaven. They saw the water from the rock. They lived in this. But they did not get from that interaction, from that experience they had with that. It said in verse 9, where your father's testimony... Uh, let me just read the whole thing. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your father's testimony tried me and saw, that's the word, my works 40 years. They saw this and they hardened their hearts. Can you think back into the, the book of Exodus? The book of Numbers? And think of some of the stories that went on with the Israelites in the wilderness. And how hard they were to the things of God. Despite interacting with all these miracles that were going on. They saw the miracles. 
but it was not having the effect upon them that they would receive from God. They did not re- realize how much God cared for them in all that they saw Him doing. That is this word. Look at the last, the uh, second part of Mark 4.13. How then will you understand all the parables? He's saying, if you do not understand by looking intently at this, by ex- the experience that you had in me telling it, by you putting yourself in the sower's position, you don't understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? This particular word is the word gnosko. How will you come to the knowledge of a progressive understanding? The idea with the parables, the idea with the kingdom of God is that the knowledge, the understanding is to be progressive. I'm going to learn a little bit here now. Down the road, I'm going to learn a little bit more. Down the road, I'm going to learn a little bit more. Down the road, I'm going to learn a little bit more. Even with the things such as your phone, knowledge and understanding can be progressive. Because you have the knowledge and understanding to do a few things with the phone, we can now build upon that to teach you some other things you can do with the phone. Once you get a hold of those things, we can then take you from there and help you understand some other things that you can do with the phone and, uh, and so forth. It goes on like that. Same thing can be with your computer. You can do things with, with your computer. Your computer is capable of a lot more than most people put it through. In fact, they're getting more and more and more powerful. And we're still over there, you know, searching the web and writing emails and you know, doing stuff like that. We're not making them do the things that they ought to do. We're not, not getting into the programming of it. I don't tap into anywhere near the um, programming capability uh, that a computer is able to do. I am able, I have a lot more understanding on it than, than some people do. I'm able to get down to the DOS level on the Windows and, and do tests and fix things. And even though Windows has gotten to the point where they're trying to hide that from you, I still know how to get in there. I still know some of the DOS commands. If you're going to get into a DOS C prompt, you have to know the DOS commands in order to execute things and, and get these things going. I know how to make that work. I know keyboard shortcuts. I don't like mice that much. I like keyboards because I grew up in a day where we didn't have mice. That's when I, I cut my teeth on computers. We did not have mice. We had keyboards. I knew the keyboard strokes then. I still know them now. I will sit down and I will do keyboard strokes way over top of the, the mouse thing. I program my computer to accept keyboard strokes that your computer doesn't even know. I teach it. I actually just write things in it. When I'm doing the outline for the, for the sermons, I, if I wanted to do something on a regular basis, I write a mini program for it, assign it to a keyboard, put it up on my menu, and I can hit it within, with just two strokes. I can make the, the, the whole thing do it. I've told you before, the outlines... The little blank lines, I have, I have a macro that I execute wherever I want them and it puts the coding in there. And when I get all finished, I hit a macro and it finds all the coding, eliminates the words and puts the underline in. And so in a matter of not even the seconds, it's not even a second and it's all done. I started doing the thing on, on mine so that I know what are the main text and what are the, the secondary ones that I'm doing. And so I created a macro that will turn my main text blue. My secondary text, red, and some other things that I just want to make sure I read to you, purple. And I can just do it by hitting the key, and bang, they're all done. Because I love keyboards. I don't like a little mouse going up on a menu, trying to find the thing, and then clicking on the thing. I want keyboards. So, you know, alternate B, bang, this is, this is done. But it just depends on what you want. To, you have to have that understanding. I have small amount. Todd, Todd and 
uh, Lamar, they blow me away in what they know in computers and what they can make a computer do. And so they're, they're at a much higher level. And so they can, they can hear some of the stuff. I say, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's easy stuff to do. But other, uh, other people can talk with them and they can take them to a higher level than they are because of the understanding they have, whereas I wouldn't understand it. Knowledge is progressive. You have to grow in your knowledge of it. The kingdom of God is the same way. He's saying, if you do not understand this first basic principle, if you cannot come into an understanding of this, how are you going to get the progressive knowledge of the kingdom of God that is coming through all the other parables that will come? Verse 10 of Matthew chapter 13. Let's go on over there. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whatever does not have, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. See? The understanding is progressive. What he wants you to do is you have some understanding of the kingdom of God. He says, I will take what you have as some understanding of the kingdom of God and I will add to it. And then you'll have more. And then you'll walk in that, you'll apply that, you'll put that to work, and then I'll add more. But what has to happen is, the more that he adds, I've got to take it in, receive it, put it to work, and then I can start <laughs> moving on to other things and receiving other things about it. And then he'll, he'll tell me some more stuff. And then I take that, because I don't have a, a hard heart to it, I have an open heart to it, I take that, oh, Oh, this is good. And I take that and I receive it and I put it to work and then I'm ready to receive more. Because knowledge, understanding, is progressive. I don't come to it all. It's not oida. I don't come to it all at once. It's progressive. Don't be discouraged because, well, I feel like I'm way down here. That's all right. If you don't start down here, then we can't build because we're always building. He doesn't just jump you up and give you knowledge up here. No, we've got to have a foundation. So we give you a little bit more. Just like with the phone. You move up onto things that have greater difficulty. Keeping them to the end. Easier things to do. Get them applied. Get them working. Get yourself knowing what these things are. For whoever has, to him more will be given. Because you have it. You've used it. You've applied it. Now we're going to give you more. And he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, if you were to approach this from a socialistic standpoint, then what Jesus should do is take a little bit of the understanding from the people who have the abundance and give it to those who don't have any. And Jesus says, no, that is not how it works. No, if you apply yourself and you go to town, you'll get rewarded with more. Because God is not a socialist. No matter how many people out there try and promote him as such, he is not. God is very much about some people having more than others. Now, he's not picking who they are. They pick themselves. If you are willing to pursue God and to go after him and understand the king things of the kingdom and keep growing, he's willing to give you more. And the thing is, God has so much that it's not about, well, we can only give, you know, we can only make so many people have abundance. Oh, no. No, I can make you all have abundance, God says. (laughs) I can make every one of you have abundance. There's no shortage up here. We got plenty of it. I just don't have a whole lot of people down there 
who want to do what's needed to receive it. But God is not a socialist. No, sir. You don't work. You don't eat. That's God's way. We, we've t- spent time before, but Ruth talks about God's uh, welfare system. Now, God implemented the welfare system way before the book of Ruth. You can learn about it in the laws. But God had a welfare system. His welfare system is get up, get out of your house, go out to the field and glean. Work under the hot sun and gather whatever is left over, whatever the, the people who go before, whatever they leave, you gather it up and you take it home. And God even said in the Word, now make sure when you're, you're harvesting your field, don't take it all. Make sure you leave a little bit for people to go out there and glean. If you don't want to go out there, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm above that sort of stuff. I shouldn't have to go out there in the hot sun and have to work and have to leave my house. And God says, don't eat. That's God's way. That's God's system. We have implemented another system here in this country. That is not God's system. God's system is, if you want to work, go out there. Or you want to eat, you want to go out there and you work. If you don't want to, well, that's, our, that's your choice. But here's the option. You can do it. And God had set up a welfare system in the, in the law. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. That is the key part here. They're not getting the understanding. And in them, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is, a, is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, and did not see it, to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Now this last verse here, verse 17, I want you to, I'm going to read this again for you. I want you to hear the words that are here. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men, many prophets, these are people that God used. These are people that God spoke to. These are not people with hard hearts. There are many prophets and righteous men desire to see. And there we have our first word, orao. Desired to see. They wanted to perceive. They were looking intently. He's basically saying this. They're looking. They're trying to see. They're trying to get this understanding. But they're not getting it. And he says, they're looking to see, to perceive what you see. That is the word blepo, which is the basic word to see. That's just looking at something. He's basically saying this. They try to see and perceive what you are now seeing in the natural. I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see or perceive what you see in the natural and did not see it, did not perceive it, did not uh, have that perception of it, and did not, did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. They wanted to, they desired it. They were people who sought after God, pursued God. They wanted to hear these things, but they didn't hear it. But here, Jesus is here telling it to them. Jesus is here explaining the things of the kingdom. 
The gift has been given. Now, apply yourself and get the understanding. Get the understanding. Now, God will not give such a strong revelation that all doubt would be removed by the revelations. That's what he was talking about here, that if they saw, they would turn. God will not give a revelation that is so strong that it shatters all possible doubt. He won't do it. The people who have walked with God for a long time are getting revelations that are very strong, very clear. They are not available to people who have not pursued what they have because if they came to the ones at the who were walking at the lower level, it would shatter all doubts and they would repent. And God says, I am not about to give you a revelation that requires no work on your behalf, no effort on your part, and no faith on your part, and just hand it over to you so that you can see all the things you need to repent from. No. You need to realize that I am God and that there are some things that you just don't understand and pursue me for the understanding of it. If you'll do that, I will build... Little by little, little by little, getting you to this spot, getting you to this place. I've heard testimonies of so many people that had a strong walk with God, a great understanding. Brother Hagin would tell us of a pastor who had great understanding of the Word and then walked away from it. The longer story he tells about how he walked away and just got out of ministry, got away from God. And one day he was unpacking some stuff and he found his old preaching Bible where he wrote notes inside and he said, he was telling us to Brother Hagin later, he had come back to God. But um, he said, I opened the Bible and I'm reading my notes. I can tell it's my handwriting. I'm reading, I don't understand it. I know I did because I wrote it. But I can't understand it now. You see, because he, he had gone from the level up here where God could give him greater understanding of things all the way on down into here. But revelation, understanding, it's progressive. Don't get frustrated. Well, I feel like I'm down here. We always feel like we're down here because we're always seeing there's so much more above us. God's not discouraged with where you are. He wants you to operate where you are so that you can receive more. His goal is to give us more. These folks, they desired it. Now, let's go back over here to Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. We're going to look at the first soil because it's important for you after all that to see the first soil. We're not going to get into the second, third, and fourth. Verse 18, Matthew. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Mark 4, 14 and 15 adds this. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. It says Satan comes immediately. It's sown. He comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in the heart. Luke 8.12 adds this to it. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart. Lest they should believe and be saved. Lest they believe and be saved. The first ones who hear lose what they heard because the enemy snatches it away. They don't get to use it. The enemy is not trying to get it himself to use it. The enemy can't use it. 
but he wants it away from you. That's what that quote was about. We put in the bulletin right for you. The, the, it came out of the, you know, the, the novel that they read. I don't, I don't think I've ever read the novel, but I like that uh, particular thing. Uh, the enemy is not just trying to put thoughts into your head. He's trying to keep you from having certain ones. He doesn't want you to meditate on the Word. He doesn't want you to receive things from God in, in this area and to meditate on that and get that to grow in your life. He doesn't want that to happen. He's not just about putting thoughts in your head. He's about keeping you from having, having one. So if he can keep you from having thoughts to understand what God has revealed to you, he will be successful. Now, what gives the enemy the right to take it away? What gives the enemy the right to come into your life and snatch away the word that was sown? This is wayside soil. How does he have the right to do that? Does he have the right to do that to everybody? What keeps him? Gives him the ability to do, to, uh, do this. Now, the only thing that Jesus points to in this parable is their lack of understanding. That's it. Their lack of understanding. If they had the understanding, this would keep them, or if they got a wrong understanding, I'll say, if they have no understanding of it, or if they had a wrong understanding of what the kingdom principle was, this would keep them from living it rightly and operating in its power and light. If the devil can keep you from hearing a spiritual quality of the kingdom of God, keep you from understanding it correctly or at all, he can stop you from applying it and he can keep you from the light that principle would bring into your life and the power it would bring into your life. Luke adds, as we said, lest they should believe. If you have understanding and you properly put it into play, you'll have a belief that will go along with it. He wants to keep you from doing it. Without the understanding, your capacity to believe is lessened. Without the understanding of the principle, your capacity to believe is lessened. It is compromised. Now, do understand this. This is important. I wrote this in your outline. I wanted to make sure that you got this. I do not lose everything I fail to understand. You do not lose everything you fail to understand. I'll give you a couple of examples for that. I know it's just to, to believe me because I said it. I'll give you a few examples of the thing. How many of you understand how your car works? I've got a couple of people who understand how the car works. That did not stop any of you from using it. There's a reason for it. There are two ways to keep a principle of God from working in your life, and it's the same way to keep a natural principle working in your life too. There are two ways to keep it working when you do not have the understanding. The one is to accept it. Just accept it. Well, I don't know how this works, but I'm going to enjoy it. When you were little, I'll bet many of you never understood why turning the faucet on without having to turn a power switch on, allowed water to come out of that faucet. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just turn the faucet and water comes out. Wow. Now, later on, you understand the forces of gravity, why there are water towers all over the, all over the place, and how all these things help to build the water pressure so that the water will flow into your house. But you didn't understand that when you were a kid. All you knew was... There are some principles that you will keep working in your life simply because you accept them and secondly, because you practice them. 
As long as you keep practicing. As long as you keep going out there, starting up that car. What happens if you get the thought, that car won't start for you. You don't know how the engine works. Oh, it won't, will it? Oh, and then all of a sudden you don't go out to your car anymore. Neighbor may come over and say, hey, how come you don't drive your car anymore? Is something wrong with it? No, I, I think it's fine. I, I just don't understand it. I don't think um, I don't think it'll work for me anymore. And that neighbor may take you out to the car, put you into the seat, have you turn the key, and it works fine. But if you stay with that hard heart, no, no, I just know it's not going to work for me, then you're never going to apply it. There are some principles of God's Word I don't fully understand. I teach you about how I think time works for God. I don't understand it. Because I cannot perceive, I cannot walk in that way of, of dealing with time. But I can accept it. I can accept it and I can just go, go on from there. There are some things we just have to accept about God. I don't understand the Trinity. I don't understand how uh, God can be three and in one. I, I don't understand that. I can talk about it. I can describe it. But I can't understand it. Because to me, you know, Ray's over here. My wife's over here. Mandy's over That's three people. But they're different. I can't see how they could all be one and different. That's not something I can get my little human brain around. But I can accept it. The enemy will not be able to steal something you do not understand if first off you accept it on faith and secondly, if you practice it. As long as you do those things, you won't lose it. Make sure you keep them things going on. All right, I don't understand this one yet, but I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep keep going. I may have more understanding of how the name of Jesus works. I don't have full understanding, but I have some understanding of how that works. And so I can walk in the understanding that I have, and hopefully down the road I'll gain even more understanding of it. But what he wants to try and do, the enemy, is he's going to take the word that was sown. You don't understand it. He's going to get you to, first off, not do it. Secondly, he's going to get you to doubt it. And you're not accepted in our faith. He's going to get you to doubt it. I don't really think this will work this way. If he can accomplish those two things, he can steal the word. He can steal that seed right out from you. Because we doubt it. Now you can go talk with other Christians. I used to do that. I thought I could do that. But it wasn't working for me. I, I did that, but then it, it didn't do this that I thought it was going to do. Doubts rose up. And they stop doing it. Not only will that hinder your life, but it will also hinder your growth. If you won't walk in that principle, God can't show more to you. He's got more to show you. I wrote my outline. It's not in yours. But there are those things I believe, but I cannot understand. Like time for God. How God used time, the Trinity. And those I can partially understand. And those I can grow in my understanding. Those are the three things that we can have. Make sure you grow in the understanding. But if the enemy can get you to come to a wrong understanding, it will, it will be shallow and it will lack the power and light. It won't produce in your life what it's supposed to. If he can get you to have a wrong understanding. How many of you ever talked with people that have got a spiritual principle and they got a wrong understanding of it? Well, I remember that naming claimant guy. He was came over here and I tried naming this and I tried claiming that and it didn't happen. 
And you can tell just when they're talking, they have absolutely no understanding of what it is that they're trying to do. But they got out there and they tried to, tried to mess with it. And it didn't work. They got a lesser understanding. People are always doing this. This is, uh, this is just not one of those things that you want to do. Um, Susan had, had shared a post on, uh, on the end times and I, after I responded to it and I was thinking, God, why does this get me so passionate? Why have I always, why does it rise up on the inside of me a passion when people say things like this? And it does. It, I mean, I, I try and tone it down, but I mean, to, when people come up and they say things about the Antichrist or the Antichrist system or the end time thing and it's wrong and it's not in the word, there's just a passion of fire that rises up in me. Calm down. Just calm down. We just don't know. Because, and, I, I, and I asked God, so why does that rise up on the inside of me? And he said, because if they operate in what they think and not what it is, they will be open to the deception in the end. And that's exactly what will happen. There are people that are, and that's what this, this post is about. They, um, they were talking about things, about the uh, uh, particular business who was going to go into a cashless system. Everybody on the Antichrist is always focused on the cashless aspect of the system. And they're afraid of the cashless aspect. And so anything that gets us into a place where it is cashless is therefore deemed of the devil. If we adopt that, if we accept that and bring that in, that is a wrong understanding, that's a faulty understanding, and what will happen is I am so focused on staying cash-oriented uh, cash and not getting into anything cash-free that I will completely miss the system the devil has set up. And the system that he has set up, the Antichrist system, the mark of the beast, folks, you will not, if it, if it happens the way that I see it, you will not even have a chance because first off, you won't be here. If you were here, you still wouldn't have a chance because the mark of the beast is only around the king of the north territory, which is Turkey, Syria, Iran, Iraq, Jordan. And Israel will come under them under the treaty. They weren't, but they will, just like they did with the first Antichrist, Antiochus Epiphanes. Israel brought themselves underneath. He set up the image in the temple and the worship of it. And that's what the final Antichrist will do. It will not be a worldwide system. It will only be for those people. Other people may try and copy the system. But it's the element of worship that is directed to the Antichrist who becomes the devil incarnate almost. That worship is what sends people to hell. When he says, if you take the mark of the beast, there is no repentance for you. It has nothing to do with the cashless system. The cashless part is just part of it because they have to get you to worship the beast. And the only way they can do it is through fear that you will not be able to buy food or clothes unless you submit to this. That is the part that you need to watch out for. I don't care who, I don't care right now if, if in a year from now, the only way that you can buy and sell is for them to put a chip under your hand. That is not the mark of the beast. It may look like it, it may have attributes of it, but it is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast involves the worship of the beast image and the Antichrist. And if you will not, go back to the book of Revelation and look at it. If you will not bow down to the beast, and worship it. You cannot receive the mark and you cannot buy and sell. It is the worship. It is always about the worship. Get a wrong understanding though and the devil loves a wrong understanding. I think he is as much behind it as anything else. 
Because if he can get people to focus on the wrong thing, he can get them slipped into the right thing that he wants them to when it comes. Don't allow a wrong understanding to get in there. Keep yourself an open heart. I'm always letting go. Well, God, you know, I, I know I got some beliefs. They're not quite lined up with what you have. Make sure, you know, bring them up, bring the things along. Wake me up. I got to make sure that I stay attentive to it. Because what the enemy will throw at you will be ineffective, unfulfilling, and inconsistent in its operation. And people will eventually just give it up. And he will snatch it from them. Well, it's never worked for me. It hasn't helped me. It hasn't done what I thought it should do for me. So I'm not doing it anymore. And the word was effectively stolen. It can also get you to reject it for something else that you can understand better. Or maybe you just like better. There's a whole lot of things that people, people, I don't know why people don't like to use the name of Jesus. I don't understand it. He told us to use the name of Jesus. We have things to use the name of Jesus for. And other people are always coming up with new tricks and new things to do that don't involve the name of Jesus. Why? Why? It's kind of like what they're doing now. They're trying to get everybody involved in an electric car. Get an electric car. Oh, save money. Uh, no. Maybe down the road they might save you some money. They're not saving you any money right now. They're not helping you out right now. They're getting stalled. They're getting stuck. I heard one really expensive electric car. Really expensive. I didn't even know this car existed. It begins with an R. I don't know. Rin something. Guy bought a brand new one. Had it two days. And activated a safety feature of it that locked it up. It was a brick. He spent $80,000 on this vehicle. And it was locked up. It would not drive. He had to get it towed 2,100 miles to the service station to get them to fix it. And uh, I forget what the bill was. Can you imagine, though, the bill on a flatbed? 2,100 miles to tow his vehicle to this particular service place to get it fixed because this electric car got all locked up. It was an SUV. He was trying to drive it in the snow. Got locked up. Now, there's a... Uh, I just want a gas car. Put the gas in. And go. That's what, Now, if you don't, if you want to do it, that's all fine. You can, you can do whatever you want on, on those things. This is, I operate under what I under, operate under. I like gas. So I just do that. There are people, and I know there are some, some cool things. Who is that? Who's the, uh, the big guy with the, um, oh, come on, Nikolai. We go to the mall and we see them all the time. Tesla. Tesla, thank you. Go out there and you see the Tesla cars. I mean, they look cool. They do some nice, nice things and people may uh, go out there and like them. I'm, I'll look at them, but I still want my gas car. I just like gas. The word is emphasizing for us doing what we hear, not just hearing it. So I've got to make sure that when I hear principles of the word, I do them. I do them. It shows that I love God, but I got to keep doing them. That's what we got to keep going after. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, I'm going to close on this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Get understanding. This is so important. God has given you the mysteries of the kingdom. He's given them to you. They're yours. They're there for you to pursue. Pursue them. God is saying, all right, we've got to start down over here. We're going to give you these ones. And this is what Jesus was doing with this parable. We're going to start down here in the basic ones. 
And the disciples say, what's that mean? Wait a minute. You don't understand this one? How are you going to get the progressive knowledge of all the other ones? That's what he's telling them. you got to make sure you spend the time. Get the basic stuff down. When you do that, then God is going to begin to speak some more things to you. And then once you get them down, how do you get them down? Get them working in your life. Apply them in your life. Get them going. And as you're going, as you're working with these things, more, oh, more comes. Oh, I didn't see that before. Oh, and I got that. I get that revelation. I get that understanding. I put that to work. And then more comes. And I keep building. And I keep going. And I keep advancing. And that's how it's supposed to go. And this is where he was going with the parables. And this is what he's going with this one. The first soil, the lack of understanding. And because of that lack of understanding, it was stolen. When we receive something from God, I may not understand it, but you gotta, you gotta do the homework. You gotta push out there to, to do that. I remember, I think I told you some of those stories. When I was first cutting my teeth on a lot of this stuff, and I would hear tapes, and they would teach me things, and I couldn't understand them. This is, I can understand it easily now, but I could, I had a hard time understanding it. And so, this one guy I would listen to, and it was, we just had tapes. We didn't have CDs. We didn't have audio. We just had tape. Put the tape in the tape player. Hit play. Now I'm listening. And I got to the point I was writing down what he said. Wrote it down word for word. What he said. So that I could just meditate on it. And get the understanding of what was it. See the sown. The word was being sown. I had to let it get in. I had to grab hold of it. I had to give it some soil. And let it grow. And it would grow. And then I could understand other things. And then I could understand other things. And then I could understand other things. I'm not telling you I understand everything yet. I could tell you some questions in the Word of God that uh, you would probably say, what? <laughs> I, say that, I say that. I say, what is this? I got some questions for God. I said, God, I want to spend some time. I want to pursue this one. I just haven't had all the time yet to, to, to get out there and to do it. But I've got some lined up for me. I need to get out there and I need to pursue this one because I can see there's a question here. I can see there's a mystery here. I want to find out what that mystery is. What's in front of you? What mysteries have been unlocked to you? What has God told you about? Make sure you put it to work. You get it going. You spend time on it. You go over it. You mull over it. Sometimes when I go to bed at night, my wife does the same thing. She goes, we, we just meditate on some of the things we're learning from the, from the Word of God, some of the things that preachers have done. She'll go to bed and she'll play the, the preachers. She wakes up, she's hearing them. So, so we keep playing them. Just, we, we just want to keep hearing it. I got to keep getting this word sown into me. And then once it's there, I got to meditate on it. I got to understand where it's going. I got to understand what it's doing. And then put it to work. I got to put it to work. Because when I put it to work, I don't forget it. And then I'm ready for more. And that's what he's saying. Genosco. Understanding is going to be progressive. You're going to get a little bit here now. And then a little bit more here. A little bit more here. But the goal for God is that you have an abundance, that you have more than you need, and that you become a sower. You need to go out there and say, we're going to see something in the verses that are going to come next week. Part of the way that we grow is to go out and to sow into other people. You are a sower. You have understanding on some things. Go out there and look for people. Don't just look for people that you know. Look for people in the grocery store. Look for people in the parking lot. Look for people in the fast food joint. Look for people. Let God lead them to you. You don't always have to know what to say. Just begin to talk to them. And pretty soon some things are going to begin to come out. And you're going to have that answer on the inside. And you're going to speak it. You know what you do? You become a sower. The more that you sow, the more God says, we need to give them some more seed. 
so they have more seed to sow. And so that God is going to be focusing his attention and sending some your way because you are sowing it into others. He didn't just give you all that seed just to get a big sack. He wants you to guide out there and to sow into others. Would you stand up with me? Well, Father, you have called us to be sowers. You have given us your word. And we're, we all have some word that we do understand. We understand it well. We put it to practice. We walk in it. We need to be looking for opportunities to sow that word that we know. Sow it in people that we've never met yet. Sow it in people that we've known for a while. Whatever it might be, we need to sow the word that we have. We need to look for opportunities. And not to discern whether this is a good soil or a bad soil. Because the sower went out and he sowed the word. Some of it fell on good soil, but some of it fell on bad. We're not concerned about where it is because we do not have a shortage of seed. We have plenty of seed. We just want to give everything an opportunity to receive that seed and to make it be fruitful. I thank you for the help that you give us on this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, before you go, we have, uh, if you saw, these were on the back table. These are some of Angel's uh, CDs. If you uh, remember, Angel passed away. And uh, we still have some of her things here. We have nothing to do with them. Uh, you don't have to buy them. Just go on. If you want them on, if you don't have them, go ahead and take them. And uh, burn them on the computer. Put them on your phone. Whatever you want to do. But there's two of them back there. If you, There are two different ones. If you want to grab them, uh, just go out there and get them. We have, I have these ones up here. I don't need these. But we have these ones up over here too for you. If you'd like to take them. We're going to put up a teaching uh, tomorrow. I was looking for maybe something different. But there's a Brother Hagen teaching. My, my wife and I, we got into a good bit of discussion about it. Um, I'll, I'll let you hear it. Uh, I've never heard Brother Hagen teach on the topic that I've taught you on a few times, and that is the pre-Adamic race. Until this, t- this tape, uh, this teaching came along. He actually taught on the pre-Adamic race. I'd never heard him teaching it before. He did a lot of the things uh, that we did. He did some things that I don't necessarily line up with to the to the same degree. But uh, his idea was uh, that he mentioned in there was that fallen angels are all locked up. I don't believe that all fallen angels are locked up. I believe some of them are locked up, but some of them still are out there. They're the principalities and the powers in the air. Um, but I'm not sure exactly where he, he got that from. But uh, demons, demon spirits, he, he talks about them. We're kind of on the same uh, thing on that. So I thought it was interesting. I'd never heard, heard him talk about that. In here, he is going to reference Brother Lester Summerall's casting out a demon of the girl who was bitten. How many have never heard, never heard the story of Lester Summerall when he cast out the demon in the Philippines of the girl who had the, the demons who, who, who uh, bit her? All right, I'm going to put that up underneath the main one. All right, so it'll be a secondary one. I will caution you on this. Be careful who's around when you are listening to it. It is, it is very intense. There are some things that might be a little bit too intense for younger viewers. But this is, this is a situation in the Philippines was nationwide and it changed the course of the nation the way he dealt with it and opened up all kinds of this. This, what you're not talking about little tiny demon possession. You're talking about a woman who was locked in a room by herself in a jail cell. No one can get in or out and they can see something on her biting her. They go into the room. It has broken the skin. She is bleeding. She would have died from these things. They had continued on. Brother Lester Summerall got in there and he uh, 
he was able to. So Brother Hagen referred to that. It's the first time I think I've heard him refer to, to that particular story. So we'll put them up on there. Uh, the, you can have that, but just be cautious. Uh, Lester Summerall has a couple of really doozy ones. That's probably his biggest doozy of one. He also has one. He, uh, he tells a story of a boy who would disappear. Demon-possessed would disappear, become invisible. Not just invisible, but could actually walk through walls and, and end up in other places. It was an amazing story. I believe that was also in the Philippines as well. And uh, he came over and cast the demon spirit out of, out of that one. But uh, there are demon spirits around. We don't see anything in this country near like we, they see in other places. But uh, I'll put those up for you tomorrow. That will be there. Have a great rest of your week. Oh, one more thing. I'm going to send you out a text here this week.